Welcome to Points of Departure, a podcast from the Arkansas Global Changemakers in coordination with KUAF Public Radio. Where we aim to place pressing social issues into global context. And bring communities together to find local solutions to global challenges. My name is Lawrence Hare, Associate Professor of History in the Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences. And I am Rogelio Garcia Contreras, Teaching Assistant Faculty in the Walton College of Business. And I'm Daniel Carruth, a producer and reporter for KUAF Public Radio. And we're your hosts for Points of Departure. This is Points of Departure. It's the beginning of season three, where we're looking at time as a point of departure uh, and the future of. So I'm here with my co-host, Rogelio and Lawrence. And so, Lawrence, why did you sort of want to use time as a measure for this season? Why was that a topic you wanted to look at? Well, so far, the whole premise of points of departure and, and of Arkansas Global Changemakers is to look at change across geographic space to see what we're doing here in Arkansas and what our neighbors around the world are doing at the same time. But we thought to ourselves, why don't we ask together, where are we headed? So for this season, we decided to bring together a terrific collection of guests, and we asked them to think about the future of global change. The future of global change in the context of the future of capitalism, the future of uh, the market economy, uh, the future of sustainability, and uh, topics like these that are common to our human experience around the world are the topics that we are uh, touching on in, in this in this season. Yeah, and it was fun to sit in. I got to sit in on all these conversations, obviously, and just kind of be, because you guys are kind of experts on a lot of this, or you know what you're talking about, and I just get to be there to, to ask some dumb questions every once in a while. But it was fun, especially for some of the, well, it's true, but <laughs> no, for some know. of the... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there are no dumb questions. <laughs> but for some of the conversations, especially like I'm thinking about uh, Jose and Fernanda, about yes. housing. I thought that was interesting because I didn't, I guess I had never really thought about that in a, a future context or a time constraint context. And so I don't know, can you talk about any of the conversations you guys were surprised by or were just excited, I guess you were excited to talk to? Well, I, I found that one in particular very exciting to talk uh, about, uh, you know, we hear about housing and in our area of the need of housing, mm. affordable, accessible housing in our area. But very rarely uh, do you, uh, we, we talk about uh, housing in the context of sustainability, yeah. in, in the context of culture, in the context of community. And this touches on aspects of the design of the house or the space, the home itself, right? So that to me was a very rich conversation, uh, not only because of these aspects related to sustainability, but also because of the, the way in which the whole process of building a house, every single process from the permits all the way to the materials that you build it with, to the design, everything has an impact on yeah. our planet and everything has an impact on the way in which the community will be able to access that housing or not. So. To me, that was a great conversation with uh, two renowned architects from the Los Angeles area. Yeah, and definitely drove home the point of the podcast, which is that it's these, you know, global perspectives. Because when you think of housing, I guess, you know, you do think of it in 
locally and, and localized. But when we think about development now, it's the you know big box houses, and it all seems kind of when you think about development, it's very standardized. But their approach is saying, no, you need to go into the local community and look at it from that perspective. And we can use how other local communities across the world do that and adapt or take those lessons and adapt here. And I thought that was great. From the legal perspective, from a financial perspective, from the design perspective, it's it's really interesting. And it wasn't just housing. We talked to a whole range of guests who were talking about big themes with big global connections. And we asked them to think about how they impact us here, how they impact us where they are, and how they're going to impact us in the future. And so some of these included, for example, microfinance. And we talked to Richard Chango, who is leading a microfinance effort in Malawi, Africa, and what we can learn from the things that he's doing to make his communities better there. Yes, or uh, Cash Acri, our colleague here at the university at the Walton College of Business in the Department of Finance, who talk about the future of social impact investment in the state of Arkansas with the efforts that he is leading in in this space, right? Because uh, there is definitely the need here in our state of investors that understand the magnitude and the, 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 the framework and the challenges that uh, social entrepreneurs face, right? So that was also a very interesting conversation. Or in, in, in this topic, uh, conversation that we had with uh, uh, Maria from, from the um, Open Value Foundation in Spain on impact investing, right? Yeah. And the work they are doing uh, at the end of the day is learning from entrepreneurs and innovators around the world that are trying to tackle challenges similar to the ones we face locally and how they are doing it, what can we learn from them, and what perspectives we can incorporate to the realities and challenges that we have here at home to solve them. And we also talked to Todd McGowan, a a noted scholar of capitalism, and uh, how how he sees the future of capitalism and our relationship to it, which which affects us everywhere. And we talked to Rianne Eisler, who is a noted scholar of uh, of gender relations, who looks at, at at gender ties in history and in the present. And her newest book deals with the future of humanity. This this these conversations, as a matter of fact, the last two that Lawrence just mentioned, were to me were fascinating, yeah. right? Because they touch on aspects that are a little bit philosophical, a little bit, uh, you know, placing capitalism in context of culture, in context of society. And it's a very uh, provocative, uh, thought-provoking and, and, and interesting conversations that we had with both with Rianne and with Todd. Yeah. These are, these are gr- noted authors and thinkers, but we also talked to some real doers, including, very notably, Nacho Dean, a celebrated adventurer who has traveled all around the world to raise awareness about the degradation of the environment and climate change. And we're, we'll be talking to him about his adventures and some of the adventures that he's preparing to do to help raise awareness so that we can preserve the future of our planet. Yeah, España Azul, actually, he traveled around the coast of Spain to evaluate the state of the uh, ocean and sea, you know, that, that, that touches Spain and, and, and the environmental, the quality of the water, the environmental impact and all these things. There's one of the few explorers slash scientists that is doing this kind of work uh, around the world and is, is famous in Spain, has become more and more relevant, his work, and that conversation is very inspirational. Yeah, that one almost made me want to learn how to sail. <laughs> Almost. Yes. No, Just totally. I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But for you guys, I guess, why do you like having these conversations? I know this is what the podcast is about. It's kind of the premise. But but what do you 
what do you like to do this for, you know, and what do you hope people take away when they're listening to it too? Well, you said that we were experts. In reality, no <laughs> one is an expert at anything. Well, yeah. And so it is terrific to talk to people who really know these things about the sorts of things that we should learn about that we can make our communities better with. Impact investing, for example, or environmental awareness, or uh, capitalism studies, or whatever it might be. Yes, to me, it's about learning what others are doing and bringing that knowledge, bringing that concept, that new approach into the classroom. For me, is I, I cannot wait. Whenever we have these conversations with these amazing individuals, I cannot wait to go back to the classroom and tell my students, <laughs> this is what's happening. This is what so-and-so is doing. This is how they are doing things in, in, in Spain or in Malawi or uh, you know, in, in, in the U.S., in other corners of the, of the country. And that, to me, is what really enriches the learning process of trying to understand a challenge that none of us has gone through before. But whether we like it or not, we have to face this issue of sustainability, this issue of bringing uh, the greatest quality of life possible to the greatest number of people possible is a challenge that our generation is facing. Not other generation has faced a similar challenge in the past. And I think through conversations like these and by sharing these kind of ideas is that we can spark more innovation, more understanding, not only on how difficult it is to accomplish something, but also on how we can start doing something. That's right. We invited our guests to think about the future of the things that they were experts in and what we're really doing is inviting our listeners to think about the future themselves. Correct. What is Arkansas going to look like in the future? How can we make it better? How can we learn from our, our, our neighbors to improve our lives here? Well, as lovely as it is to speak to both of you, let's hear from some of our guests. Sound good? Sounds good. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. guys. KUF Studios in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Welcome to Season 3 of Points of Departure. As you know, in this season, we are looking at the future of using time as a point of departure. And in this episode, we want to talk about the future of impact investing. And there's no one better suited to talk about this subject than my partner, Rogelio Garcia Contreras. Rogelio, hello. Welcome. Hello, Lawrence. Uh, It is a pleasure to be here. Um, We're very excited, indeed, to talk about Uh, the future of impact investing. And uh, I would say that uh, there's no better person to talk about it here uh, uh, in Arkansas in general than uh, our guest today. Uh, He is a friend of our podcast, a supporter of the work we do, and an exceptional leader, uh, an expert in the field of impact investment. He's my friend and colleague, Dr. Cash Acri, uh, clinical assistant professor in finance at the Sam Walton College of Business of the University of Arkansas. Uh, he's also a consultant, mentor, volunteer for Interform, uh, co-owner of the Northwest Arkansas Fashion Week, and along with an outstanding group of uh, colleagues, he is the leader and the force behind Arkansas Impact Investing. So thanks for joining us, Cash, and welcome. Well, thank you for having me. I don't think I, I will deserve any of that level of high praise, but I, I, it's very kind. So let's start perhaps with this general question, uh, Cash, uh, just discussing this idea of impact investing. Why is that important? Why is that relevant in today's world? 
you know, it, it's a little bit of a trope, but I love it. it. It's that, well, all investments have impact, right? Um, and it's really a matter of, you know, are you being intentional and conscious about what your investments are actually doing? But to me, finance is opportunity. Finance is, you know, which doors are going to be opened, which projects are going to be accepted, uh, who's going to be at the table, whose needs are going to be addressed through the capital markets. And so impact investing is is trying to take a very intentional look, not just at the kind of ratings of the activities of existing firms, but this is a, a bit more targeted at, you know, how do we actually address these problems? And, and uh, you know, how do we invest in firms that are actively seeking those solutions to the problems that we face um, in, on environmental and on social fronts? And so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's too big of a lift for, you know, philanthropy to handle on its own. Um, but, you know, it, it also impacts philanthropy, right? Um, you're seeing this from, you know, foundations and, you know, private offices and things that have their money deployed in the capital markets and then are just kind of skimming off the top for their, you know, programmatic, like grant making activities. You're, you're seeing kind of a realization that like, oh, let's make sure that the bigger pile of money is actually, you know, not working against the goals that we're, we're trying to set in our grant making. Cash, is it fair to say that what's separating impact investing, and as you say, all, all investing wants, seeks impact, but what's separating what we're talking about is the question of what are we expecting from our return on investment? You know, some investors are willing to take a, a sacrificial return, like a lower rate of return in order to do good in the world. And that's certainly a conversation that happens within the impact investing space. But we've also got people in our impact investing group, active investors, that are seeking, you know, market returns or higher than market returns for addressing kind of unmet market needs that also have a, a social impact. And so there's kind of room at the table for both of those conversations. Um, for instance, if, you know, if you're investing in, you know, clean technology, there's no reason that you can't think about that as like a market activity and not in any way like a something that you're giving away. If you're, if you're like, well, if we can, you know, get, solar panel production up to, you know, at a certain margin or, or whatever you're kind of investing in, there's no reason to really think of that as different from solving a, a market returns problem or a typical like business optimization problem. That's not a charity, right? That's a business. And, you know, when we think about who has access to capital and you think about the movements that you're seeing toward trying to get more female owned businesses funded to get more minority owned businesses funded um this is that's not charity that's there's not necessarily sacrificial returns but there's there's kind of room for all of those projects because certainly there are also impact investments that don't really make sense without you know basically some kind of kind of philanthropic slice would you agree then that uh, perhaps impact is, investment is more about understanding and learning to talk about value in a broader sense, uh, value generation, value proposition in a broader sense. Uh, um, there's an opportunity within the movement to really start paying attention to the direct return of our investment, you know, those aspects that are directly connected to the specific uh, activity that our investment is funding, but also all the externalities, all the social environmental externalities that that particular investment generates. And uh, I, I agree with you in, in the sense that every impact investment should be first and foremost looking for this return on investment without any, uh, any cut, so to speak, for the sake of um, 
bringing value to other areas, but can we bring value to other areas uh, as much as the return on the financial investment in, in this movement? Is that the aspiration? Is that where the movement is going? I think that's absolutely right. I think that thinking about the way that uh, the values of an investor are reflected in their portfolio beyond just the value of, you know, kind of this trade-off of risk and return, not just how much is this money making, but like what impact do I want it to have in the world? What values, you know, does it potentially promote? If I want to invest in a cause, if I want to invest, you know, in a business that actually is solving the problems that I'm the most interested in, where does that money go? And I think that intentionality is really kind of the difference for impact for me. That's very interesting that you talk about impact investing as a as a marketing I don't, I don't know if we can call it a gimmick for investment firms, but it does raise the question about who is actually able to commit to an impact investing. Because there's different kinds of investors, you know, at some level. If we have retirement funds, we're also investing, right? How much control or how much intentionality is possible up and down the, the spectrum of investors, do you think? I want to like state that those criticisms are very real about like, you know, is is a lot of this just kind of greenwashing and is it, you know, a marketing gimmick? I also think it's important, right? Because if you start to see more demand from investors to engage in this type of activity, it does start to kind of move a bigger needle. But I think the the impact investing is a bit of the tip of the spear of that. And I don't know that it's very easy for most non-accredited investors, most smaller investors mm -hmm. to, to get involved. That is changing to some degree, right? We've got new regulations that allow for like crowdfunding of equity investments. So I don't have to be independently wealthy anymore to invest in, you know, small companies doing things that I care about. We're, you know, actively promoting those type of techniques that allow more like broad investor. Promoting in with whom? With the companies or with the investors? We have a little column A, little column B. We've kind of gathered together an investor group and that's kind of our home base. It, then we try to bring in entrepreneurs as well and founders to get in front of them. So I, I always get excited about crowdfunding because then I can invest in it. <laughs> whenever whenever we, we touch on this issue, and I think it has been discussed here somehow, I always wonder about what constitutes impact, right? And how we measure that impact, how we assess that impact, precisely to avoid these things that have been discussed so far in terms of greenwashing. And where do you see the space of impact investment at this point in terms of their impact assessment mechanisms? Uh, what, where is the industry at this moment? This is always going to be a problem because we are now talking about things that aren't as easy to measure and that are subjective, right? So now I can get a team of analysts together and we can assess the impact of a business and, you know, a separate team of analysts could come up with different conclusions and investors using that information could come up with a different investment decision based on the perceived impact mm -hmm. of, of those fairly subjective factors, which is why I think that actually focusing on impact instead of just on kind of like a, a firm rating goes so far because now you're looking at like, is the firm's actual business purpose to solve this problem? It's not just 
a, like a bolted on value statement later on where, you know, we've, we built this company and all of a sudden we've decided we're going to be a little bit more green or like we sit in Walmart's backyard. And I think that the efforts that they are doing in sustainability are incredibly important. And you can get like a lot of good in the world for a fairly like marginal change on their books, right? Because of just the scale of the thing. And so I don't want to discredit that, but I wouldn't think that like an investment in Walmart is just an investment for that. And so impact to me really goes to that just kind of like heart of the business's purpose itself. That, that is that is very interesting to me uh, as I can get how some qualitative aspects related to a business that wants to provide safer haven for victims of human trafficking, you know, can talk about dignity or, you know, these, these aspects are really difficult to measure or really difficult to track. But there are other aspects related also to impact investment, like uh, the footprint of anyone you know, on the environment or the connections that we may have with the community or the relationships with employees that could potentially be tracked and could potentially be measured uh, in a way that is, quote unquote, more objective and uh, standardized across the board. I believe in, in that space uh, that's possible, but somehow you are suggesting that maybe there's a lot of subjectivity in the behind the interpretation of these. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Because I think that's really important as uh, different financial, uh, you know, asset management firms uh, may may interpret these, you know, may approach this this space. Well, it sounds just adding on. I mean, it sounds like there's a open question here about how broadly we want to define impact investing. And Cash, you seem to favor a slightly narrower definition than, than maybe Rogelio does. I think that separately, we also need to talk about like the big ratings for big companies, because I think that does you know move their behavior in important ways. And I do think that that's important stuff to track. I've got a bit of like an early stage business focus. And I know, you know, mm -hmm. Rogelio does a lot of great work um, on consulting for these businesses to get them, you know, like B Corp certified. And um, and I think that that experience can also, you know, the need for kind of, you know, low or no cost consulting to just get those metrics off of the ground to me, you know, impresses upon the fact that like, I, I don't want those metrics to be, the thing that like this thing lives and dies on because mm -hmm. there's a company that um, is in need of capital to continue an important mission that you know the production of a fairly rigorous and difficult set of data might actually not be like the highest and best use of their time and resources right like i'm thinking about these early early stage firms um and just the struggles for capital that they have and just how difficult, like getting an audited set of financial statements, which is old stuff that everybody, like you know, all accountants understand. Um, you know, kind of adding the 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 level of kind of environmental certification, it almost seems like as we add more data, that becomes easier for like larger companies to do that can like handle the scale. And you know, so I, I at the early stage. I think about like, I, I like to think of it a little bit more simply because I don't know that they're going to be able to produce that data or that they're going to have the resources to do it. I want to see more founders from communities that aren't funded or at least aren't funded in big ways, start businesses and start businesses that change those communities. And, you know, I, I think that if we, if we start tacking on all of these kind of additional layers of reporting overhead, that that can actually like drive against the thing that we want to see.
No, absolutely. I think you make a great point. It is not all or nothing uh, as well. And uh, companies have the, the potential to start gathering some of this data. Doesn't necessarily have to be something complicated, something, something way too um, elaborated. I think this is precisely the reason for which we need some standardization of impact assessment mechanisms across the board. What, what do you think about that? Uh, do you agree with the need of a universal standardized set of KPIs for, for this industry? I think about it like this, right? Like, let's, let's get back to just straight accounting for a second. And let's think about like the modern firms and the modern economy. Most of their actual assets don't show up on the books, right? Because they are uh, like intangible assets that are really valued very poorly. And I think that this conversation relates to that because we're we're building up this like kind of intangible social value in these firms. In my view, I'm already a little bit used to the data being somewhat noisy. And so I would like for the data to be standardized. I would certainly like for there to be accountants would, would be able to just step in and easily solve these at, at a low cost for firms. But I, I think that's a long way off. Well, one of the problems, you know, and I'm not an I'm not an expert on KPIs, which are key performance indicators. But one of the concerns that I, I would raise as a as a layperson is that if you're dealing with problems and and you're trying to have social impact, you don't always know what the problem is going to be, right? And so it's possible that your your KPIs would shift over time, and so that tends to thwart standardization, right? How do you balance? having a common language or a common set of data that you can speak across businesses versus being nimble enough to actually address problems now and in the future. It's the process that all of these independent data providers are already kind of going through, right? We have these different, you know, measures of, you know, social goodness and of, of impact across um, by a lot of firms that are trying to produce portfolios of this stuff. And there's can be, you know, broad divergence of, of which, companies rate high across those different metrics. Yes, and and, and the related problem there, I'm so glad you said that, because the other problem is that you tend to see investors maybe focus on short-term KPIs, things that that yield immediate results, right, versus, and and we've experienced this ourselves in some of our own initiatives, is that some of the things that we want to do need time to develop, right, and they're going to yield really awesome outcomes, but we need time for that to happen. And the investors don't seem to be, they want, they want numbers and they want numbers now. I actually, the point is really well taken because this is very similar to the type of reporting that like grant makers are looking for, right? They're not looking for reports about, I mean, they want to see your finances because they want to know they're not just throwing money Mm. away, but it's not about the returns you're generating. It's about the social good that you're having and then, you know, I don't think grant makers have solved that riddle and that they have metrics that they feel incredibly comfortable with. And and so like trying to take that into companies that may or may not be, you know, solving these missions as a first order effect is even harder. Based on that discussion and given your more um, refined understanding of social impact investing, which issue areas do you see benefiting the most from this type of investment? 
Um, we're really interested in the access to capital issues and the kind of expanding access to business on entrepreneurship for underrepresented communities, mm-hmm. because that's something that we can basically point VCs at and point angel investors at and just say, okay, also, you know, let's build a community of, of and let's build some examples of, of founders that are doing it well so that then other people say, I can do that too, right? We, we're also going to do some discussions about kind of the affordable housing conversation in the state. And, and that one's, I think, a really good one for impact investment to jump into because it's going to require big stacks of capital with multiple participants to solve the problem. And so you need some people that are thinking about their financial returns, some people that are maybe finding finding ways to collaborate with, you know, government agencies and NGOs and and, and different uh, organizations with different expectations of, of what that project should do. And so, you know, that one is is one we would like to, to point some attention to. And ultimately, you know, getting into green bond issues for, you know, bigger environmental projects. Like, I don't know how to run any... <laughs> any environmental stuff on a cheap level. So that I think ends up being- That's your more you know, capital intensive. They're going to be much yeah. more capital intensive if you start talking about big tracts of land or the development of like new technologies and factories to build those, you know, those are going to be- Well, you're sort of suggesting a, a solution maybe to the problem that I raised earlier and that you're, you're suggesting that maybe addressing these longer term problems warrants a different type of investment instrument. Oh, absolutely. Um, so we brought, uh, you know, early stage investors that are really interested in doing equity. We've also been talking about like revenue based financing models so that they're not actually selling equity. And we've got some interest in like these social impact bonds as well. And so basically any technology that adds more investment, more, you know, starts to bring in more private money for basically things that were in the space of philanthropy or in the space of governments is um, you know, the, the overall goal here. You're listening to Points of Departure. We'll be back after this. Hi there, this is Bramke Straubhorst. I am Program Director and Associate Professor at CEU Abad Oliva University. Recording from Barcelona, Spain, you're listening to Points of Departure. You get a lot of information on demand from KUAF Podcasts, but you can get even more from us when you listen live on air. From the latest national news from shows like Morning Edition and All Things Considered, to local programs like Ozarks at Large, to weather updates, public service announcements, and unique music programs you won't find anywhere else. Listen for free on your radio at 91.3 FM, online at KUAF.com, or just tell your smart speaker to play KUAF. You know, this is a, a community effort and other stakeholders should step in because you mentioned, for, for example, the interest that exists in Arkansas Impact Investing uh, around uh, minority-owned businesses. Not all of these businesses will have an open uh, statement in favor of a particular social impact or environmental impact. And yet it is important, super important to provide access to credit and access to funding to these businesses that exist in our region, but for whatever reason, um, often miss the opportunity to access these sources of funding. So all of the sudden it is the action of funding and the work that Arkansas Impact Investing is doing that could be 
track. You know, the, the impact of that could be tracked just without necessarily holding the business responsible for now telling us how this money is, is, is impacting the community, right? Yeah, yeah. I think of it in terms of, you know, I want to make sure that um, we're not adding frictions, right? Like that, you know, more of these deals are happening. And, and that's why to me, it's actually important to like go at businesses that are kind of directly pointing at some of those problems. But, um, you know, I, I hope that, that uh, you know, as this becomes more prevalent that that we do see kind of more capacity to and and you know as this I, the impact investing movement is fairly you know nascent um it, you know social res, socially responsible investment and um kind of these esg metrics are, are actually pretty common fare now but kind of the movement towards actually going directly at that at that problem is, is somewhat new can i ask you about that the the relationship between the impact investing community in Arkansas and the global movement. What is your take on how well Arkansas is sort of pushing towards those sort of that that global landscape, or is it or is it being driven by global developments? So I think that you know we are seeing that happen. As I started talking, going on my listening tour to figure out how to kind of set this up, one of the first things that was pointed to me was you know, other universities that are already kind of doing this kind of work. And they're all basically looking into food insecurity issues and on other continents and, you know, very, the very global view of it. And as we were doing that, I was like, well, we're a land grant institution in a state that ranks low on a lot of just basic measures of human wellness. And so like, you know, let's try, I, I was like, let's actually make sure that we're kind of bringing some of that knowledge home. And that's the reason we I named this one like Arkansas Impact Investing. I've had people say, well, shouldn't it be Heartland? It shouldn't be like, shouldn't it be global? And I'm like, well, first let's let's try to, you know, apply some of those solutions here. So I think of, you know, what we're going to try to do is to develop some thought leadership that includes, you know, best practices that are and and successful projects that are happening elsewhere and finding ways to implement them here. Oh, that's interesting. And let me also ask since you're teaching at the university, are you satisfied with the type of education that students in business or, or in any field for, for that matter are getting to recruit them into this movement or, or to help them orient their work towards this movement? I, I feel that uh, in the finance department, if I say that I am unsatisfied, then I have no one to blame. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing? <laughs> I, you know, we're we're very new at this. The reason that, you know, I really want to make sure that this is a student oriented and student driven yeah. project is because there's a kind of in immediate goal of like, how do we assemble investors? But like, I'm not trying to like raise at like just an outside fund that doesn't have anything to do with the university and doesn't have anything to do with the goals of educating, you know, the next generation right. here. And so, you know, we've got our first impact investment class that's going on right now uh, in our Master of Science that's and great. Finance program. Uh, so it's very exciting. Uh, well, let me ask it this way. How are the students responding, both graduate and undergraduate? I've been bringing impact investors into my classes for a few years. And the interesting thing to me is the way that I am able to snag students that wouldn't have thought about finance. Mm. I am grab those students that want to make a difference in the world and wouldn't have necessarily thought of finance as the way to do it. And I think that's so backwards, right? Finance actually is opportunity. Finance actually is 
which doors open and when and why. And so, you know, people going in, you know, avoiding finance because they want to, you know, make a difference is entirely wrong to me. Like, I, need I agree. More people in finance that actually understand that your decisions are going to matter a lot. And so, you know, that's that's been the the reception that I've seen is that, you know, I'll see, you know, really talented students, once they hear about impact investing, now will consider going into the field or will consider going and in, in coming into my master's of science program. And so that's the the delightful thing to me is the way that it lights up new communities that wouldn't have thought this was the space that they belong in. I wish, and not to ask you to do any more than you're already doing, I'm just throwing <laughs> this wish out there in, in general. I wish that that type of, of, that aspect of finance literacy were available Broadly, both both for students who are who are going into that field, uh, and and for students who who hopefully will have a four hundred one k or some type of fund, and they need to think about where to put their money, and they need to have that awareness. I wish that were were possible. I think it's possible. I mean, we've got programming that that touches you know most of the students on campus, um, whether they're going to be a business student or whether they're just going to take like our personal finance classes, and so it you know, really a matter of, of just institutionalizing that that's, that's part of what we do in finance. You know, we're, we're slowly making those strides. We've got a, a wonderful new um, women in finance initiative that started by uh, a colleague of mine. Um, and that's, you know, basically bringing more people into the, into the field that wouldn't have been and that are more interested in, in the purpose that they're going to have with their career other than like just how many, uh, how much money they're going to make. Okay. So Rogelio, what's your takeaway? What's the future of impact investing? I am very optimistic, very hopeful yeah. that uh, we're uh, open a path to help every shareholder, every stakeholder think a little bit broader about the kind of impact beyond financial terms, even though it starts there, that our activities, our business activities can have in the world. I'm very hopeful and, and through initiatives like these that Cash is leading here at the, in the state of Arkansas with this Arkansas Impact Investing uh, Initiative, I think there's a lot of room for education, for awareness, for engagement of actors that would normally, as, as Cash was mentioning, would normally not consider this to be possible. I think that's the beauty of the initiative that Cash leads, open new paths, showing us new possibilities. Uh, this, is, this is great. I sense, Cash, that there are, there are some key questions that are still out there on the scale of this movement, on the ways that we integrate it into market processes. What I also can tell is that it seems that any lingering debate seems to be over as to whether the market has a place in social change, whether investors have a role to play, whether these things are compatible with other purposes of the market or other roles of the market, and that now what we're looking at is a, an effort to scale up in terms of mobilizing more and more different types of agents to participate. Well, Cash, thank you very much for joining us uh, in this episode. I think it's, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. I always learn a lot. Me too. Um, uh, thanks for all the work that you do at the university, and thanks for all the work that you do for our community. Uh, it has been a pleasure, Cash. Well, I'll just, I'll just throw that back to you. I appreciate the work that you are doing. I am hopeful that what we're doing is 
you know, complimentary that you're kind of building up a, you know, supply side of social entrepreneurs that will need some funding. And I'm hopefully gathering some investors that can maybe fund some of those and we can bring them together. You've been listening to Points of Departure. Your hosts are Rogelio Garcia Contreras and Lawrence Hare. I'm Daniel Carruth. Points of Departure is a podcast production of KUAF Public Radio and Arkansas Global Changemakers. For more information, you can go to KUAF.com.